Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie, and I will be your host. This is the show where I tell you about the spooky and scary shit happening in our world. I need you to pause right now. Go and get yourself a drink, get yourself a snack, get yourself a blanket and a pet if you have it for comfort. I need you to settle in because I don't think I have ever taken more notes on an episode before. So strap in for more than likely the longest episode to date of Audie's Oddities. Because today we are talking about the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman, aka the OJ Simpson trial. But of course on this podcast we care about the victims, not OJ, so we are naming it after them and not him. And I can guarantee you somebody is going to tell me that I'm stupid for that solely because OJ Simpson would come up a lot easier in a search bar. But you know what? I don't care if I'm stupid. I care about victims way more than I do my own stupidity. So buckle in. Let's get going. June 13th, 1994. Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were both found stabbed to death outside of Nicole's home. Their bodies were discovered by one of Nicole's neighbors after Nicole's dog had been barking for about two hours at this point, and ran to the neighbor's house and brought them back to Nicole and Ron. And I want to go ahead and start off by saying I don't understand how these two bodies went undiscovered for almost two hours because Nicole lived in a townhouse. It's not like these are houses that are super spread out and you don't have any neighbors. You're almost on top of each other, you know? Anyway, let's backtrack to the night before. On June 12th at 6.30 p.m., Nicole and family arrived at a local restaurant for dinner. At 9.15 that night, Nicole's sister would call the restaurant because her mother left her designer sunglasses there, and Ronald would go to pick them up. Between 9 and 9.30 p.m., OJ and his friend Brian were at a McDonald's eating dinner. You know, because what a damn meal to have before you murder somebody. Before you murder two people! But by 9.45, they return home. Brian is staying in the guest house on OJ's property, and OJ has a flight out of town to Chicago at almost midnight that night. At 9.48 p.m., Ron shows up at the restaurant to pick up the glasses, which are left in a white envelope for their mother. And at 10.15 p.m., a neighbor begins hearing Nicole's dog barking from the backyard. Based off of how well-trained Nicole's dog was and that he didn't bark unless something was wrong, and based off of the dog leading the neighbors to Nicole and Ron's body, they're assuming that when the dog started barking at about 10.15 p.m. is when the murder took place. So based off the assumption that they were murdered at 10.15, at 10.25 p.m., Alan, who is O.J. Simpson's limo driver arrives at O.J. Simpson's house to pick him up for that before said mentioned red-eye flight overnight to Chicago. This flight left at 11.45. It's currently 10.25. The amount of time that he has to get to the airport, get through TSA, and get on a plane has me anxious. At 10.40, Brian, who's in the guest house, hears these loud thuds or knocks on the back side of the building. And at 10.40, Alan, the limo driver, for 15 minutes, is repeatedly calling OJ on his intercom. But it wouldn't be until 11 p.m. that Alan sees somebody walking in the driveway. He claims that it was too dark to see exactly who it was, but he can make out that it was somebody over six foot and definitely over 200 pounds. I'm like, damn, I would be terrified for this man to see me in a dark alley. What are you going to say that I weigh? So a few minutes later, 
past 11 p.m., so it's about 11.05 now. He buzzes the intercom again, and OJ answers, claiming that he overslept but just got out of the shower and he'll be out soon. And miraculously, at 11.45, OJ makes it onto his flight. And at 12.10 a.m. on June 13th, the bodies of Nicole and Ronald are found outside of her home. Also at the crime scene was a black beanie, a black glove with blood on it, and a bloody footprint. So immediately police start investigating, and by 5 a.m. they're going over to OJ's house. Why? Because OJ is the ex-husband of Nicole. But obviously we know that OJ just landed in Chicago at 5 a.m. So the detective calls him and tells him, I'm sorry, sir, but your ex-wife has been found dead. And OJ's very first question is, who killed her? Not a, what happened? Not a, is she okay? Not crying, just, who killed her? So OJ flies back to California and is interviewed for about three hours before being released. And four days later, on June 17th, he's arrested on two counts of murder. But he did not surrender. And if you watched this play out live or you know anything about this case, you know where I'm going. It's time for the police chase. And yes, I'm just going to say police chase. I cannot say high-speed chase because it was not fast. This was truly probably the slowest police chase I have ever witnessed. So OJ Simpson is in the passenger seat and his high school friend, Al Collins, is driving. So they're speeding down the highway in this white Bronco that is so famous now. I feel like this white Bronco is almost as famous as OJ is himself. Speeding down the highway for like 45 minutes. Over 20 police cars are following them and over nine helicopters are flying around them, leading on this very low speed chase. All of it is being broadcasted live with over 95 million people watching it. Pretty much anybody who was alive during this time could tell you what them and their family was doing when this was going on. Because I can almost guarantee you, they all were ordering pizza, sitting on the couch, and cracking open beers, talking about what the hell was about to happen. So the chase lasted about 45 minutes, and about an hour and 15 of it was spent in a standoff in the driveway of his home. And immediately the first thing that OJ's lawyer comes out and says to the public is, Please don't pass any judgment yet. Like, girl, I passed judgment as soon as he got into the white Bronco. You're a few hours too late. So that's what we all watched unfold on the news footage. Now I'm about to tell you what really happened inside that car. So OJ later testified and said that Al was taking him to Nicole's grave. But when they got there, it was surrounded by police and he wasn't allowed in. I mean, I get it, dude. You're literally on trial for her murder. No offense, but I wouldn't want you near my grave if I was murdered. Actually, you know what? No, I mean offense with that. I do. I truly do. So Al ends up calling police while driving this Bronco. And on the 911 call, he's claiming that they're okay, but police have to back off because OJ is sitting next to him with a gun to his head, threatening to kill himself if they don't. Apparently, the new plan now in this white Bronco, is that they want to drive all the way to San Francisco to see OJ's mother, who was admitted into the hospital that morning for a pre-existing heart condition. And immediately, Al is just pissed off because the police don't immediately know who he is when he calls. So pissed off, in fact, that he hangs up on police. 
So we're now learning that right before OJ got into the car, he was in a meeting with his lawyer and several doctors because everyone was concerned he was going to do something like this before turning himself in. So as they're all walking out of this meeting, they notice that OJ just walked a little bit too fast, got in the car and left. But in this meeting, he also wrote letters to his mother, his children, and he also changed and sealed his will. He also wrote a letter to the public. Now keep in mind, OJ Simpson wasn't always known as the guy who more than likely murdered his ex-wife and her lover. Before this, OJ Simpson was known as only a football player. Which I think is hilarious because you could have just been known for that your whole life, dude, and now my entire generation only knows you for this crime. Anyway, in this letter to the public, he claims that he loves Nicole, but they had split up. He also claims that the only problem that he ever had with Nicole was that he loved her too much. And that is a terrifying quote if you know anything about abusive people or domestic violence or narcissists. That's a very alarming sentence. So he rambles on in the letter about saying goodbye to certain people, and then at the end, he says that this is basically the end for me. Basically writing a suicide note. But keep in mind, this note was not meant for that. This was supposed to be the note read because he was going to prison. So at this point in the chase, OJ is now on the phone with police, and he's saying, just let me go, I just want to get to my house, and then I'll surrender. And they're like, okay, great, we can do that, but like, we're all really scared because you might hurt yourself. So could you just like throw that gun out the window, please? OJ absolutely refuses to do so. And on this phone call, he's just claiming that he wants to be with Nicole. He claims that he wanted to do it at her grave. Now he wants to do it at home when he gets there and then hangs up the phone on police. So then we see the car pulling into the driveway. And when I was watching the news footage, I was always curious who this random man running up to the driver's side was. Well, now I finally learned. It's apparently Jason, who is OJ's oldest son from his previous marriage. Now you see him fighting with presumably Al in the driver's seat. They have this brief little argument, discussion, whatever, before police end up pulling Jason back into the home. I also just want to talk about how weird some of these photos are, because there is specifically a photo where it looks like one person is in that white Bronco. It looks like there is nobody in that passenger seat. And very easily, it could have just been OJ was, you know, bent over, crouched down or something. But on the other hand, that is a six foot tall man. It is very hard for you to just disappear like that. And these photos aren't in his driveway where maybe he just walked away and it was taken later on. These are photos taken through the windshield, clearly showing you the passenger seat and the driver's seat. The passenger seat clearly empty going down the highway with the police cars behind it. And I always thought that that was so weird. So I want to know what you think about that. If you have any opinions on it, make sure to DM me. I want to talk about it. Also, the foreshadowing, because while all this is happening and we're watching the footage from the helicopter, you see Nicole's dog run up to the car. And I just want to believe that Nicole was like whispering in her dog's ear, like, go, go. That's the man who did it. And then I just want to believe that the dog was standing there in the driveway like, yes, I saw it. I saw him do it last night. Get him. So we get this big standoff for a while where Al is in and out of the car communicating between OJ and the police. Basically what they're negotiating is that OJ wants to call his mom before he's arrested. And we know this now from all the police reports, but Al has continuously denied doing any kind of interview to tell us his side of the story about what really happened. 
So OJ is allowed to call his mother, use the restroom, and, I shit you not, drink a glass of orange juice before being escorted to prison. That's right. This man drank a glass of orange juice. And I have to think, I have to, I have to think that he was in the restroom and just like, man, I'm about to be arrested. I've been on the news live for the past two hours pulling all this shit. How can I just make this like that much more unironic and iconic for all the wrong reasons? I know. Do we have any orange juice in the fridge? So inside of this white Bronco, which by the way, I want to cut in right now just to tell you that I have seen this white Bronco in person and it is one of my biggest flexes. Anyway, inside of the white Bronco, they found a gun, a mustache, a goatee, spirit gum, aka makeup adhesive, a beauty supply store receipt, and OJ's passport, meaning that this famous football player who is trying to flee the country on two counts of murder thought that he could put on a goatee and a mustache and walk through TSA. Also on Al's person was nine grand in cash found in his pocket. So it sounds like to me he was bribed a little bit. Just saying. Let's talk about the evidence because oh is it damning. Remember that bloody glove I told you about before? Well, there's DNA in that blood belonging to Nicole and Ron, of course, and also OJ Simpson. Also, they only found one glove at the scene. The other glove was missing. Where did they find that other glove, you may ask? It was behind the guest house where all of those random knocks were heard right around the time of Nicole's murder. OJ also had a bandage on his finger the next day when he was interviewed, so if he was cut, it would have been on the same spot on the glove. Also, that beanie they found had hair in it that matched OJ. They also found a million other things, like traces of Nicole's blood was found on a sock inside of OJ's home, blood was also found in his driveway, and the footprint that was left at the crime scene matched his shoe size and a pair of shoes that he used to own. Also, the knife that was used to stab Nicole and Ronald was a knife that had previously been owned by OJ. Unfortunately, the knife and the shoes were never found. This is also when we learned that OJ was a huge piece of shit to Nicole the entire time through their marriage. They obviously got divorced for a reason, considering that Nicole had nine different counts of domestic abuse calls to their home. It's just so sad, honestly. In 2006, OJ would write a book entitled If I Did It, which is a hypothetical account of if he did these murders or not, which is fucking insane. And thank God everybody else thought so too. So they started canceling this book, but later it was published. Why? Because all of the money from it went to Ronald Goldman's family. Despite all of this damning evidence, he is found not guilty in court. They claim that the crime scene was contaminated because evidence was bagged incorrectly and items were left in a van to overheat. Also, in court, O.J. Simpson tried on those black gloves, the one that was missing and the one that was left behind the guest house, and it was deemed that they were too small for him. Which would bring up the iconic role from his lawyer who says, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. Also, this wasn't just like a pair of pants that didn't fit him, okay, that are like perfectly sized for him. Gloves are all size fits one, you know, normally at least. So I feel like every glove would be small on him, right? Also, the prosecutor didn't want him to try on the glove. Why? 
because it had been frozen and unfrozen a few different times in order to preserve DNA, meaning it probably would have shrunk or changed its size. AKA, the glove doesn't mean shit. Because OJ did get off with pretty much no charges, some people do believe that race may have added to his not guilty charge. The defense had used race many a times during his court case, claiming that most of the law enforcement assigned to his case were racist. They were able to do this because the lead detective on the case, Mark Furman, was recorded in one sitting saying different racial slurs 40 different times. And unfortunately, Mark was the detective who first got into O.J. Simpson's house. Why? Because he jumped over a fence in the back and alone discovered the glove behind the guest house. So because of his past of being a racist asshole, and because he was the one who found the evidence first, the defense was able to convince the jury into believing that Mark planted those items at OJ's house. And look, I don't know. I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying I didn't. I am saying that Mark's a racist asshole, but I don't know. Maybe he did plant stuff. Maybe OJ really did kill her. And it was actually the district attorney himself who said that it would force members of the jury who were people of color to side with OJ. The jury consisted of eight black people, one Hispanic, two people of mixed race, and one white person. But what's crazy about all of this is neither of the murder charges were guilty, right? But he is guilty of the civil case for wrongful death which you can normally only get if you murdered them. But because of the wrongful death case, Goldman's family is awarded $33.5 million in damages. And that's why years later, when he came out with that book, they said, oh, no, 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 you can only publish this if we get the money from it. In my personal opinion, I definitely believe that O.J. Simpson killed Nicole and Ron, but let's talk about if he hadn't killed them. If he hadn't killed them, who would have? Well, let's talk about it. Our first suspect would be Glenn Rogers, who was a convicted serial killer. Now, here's the thing. Even if Glenn did it, it still technically would be O.J.'s fault. Here's why. Glenn had confessed to his brother while on death row in prison that he had killed Nicole and Ron, But even if that was true, OJ would still be guilty because OJ had hired Glenn in the past to steal a pair of earrings from Nicole's home and told him that if she got in his way to just go ahead and kill her. But it is possible during these murders that he was actually already in prison serving time. So who knows? And you may be asking, why can't we figure that out? That was also my question. So the next theory is that Jason, OJ's oldest son, murdered Nicole and Ronald. This theory came about from a famous private investigator who's actually been put into the police hall of fame. His name is Bill Deere. He actually wrote a book about why he thinks it was Jason and not OJ, but the problem is is that it's all circumstantial, but we're still going to talk about it. When Nicole and Ron were murdered, Jason was on probation for attacking his boss with a very similar knife. We also hear from some of Jason's ex-girlfriends that he was extremely abusive, and one girlfriend, Dee Dee, came forward and said that he would do obscene things, including cutting off her hair with a knife and breaking her back by throwing her into a bathtub. And as horrifying as all of that is, that does prove that on more than one occasion, he used a knife against another person. Now, 
Bill decided that he wanted to get some hard evidence against Jason. So illegally dressed up as a doctor and masqueraded underneath a doctor's alias for two weeks to obtain Jason's medical records. Through doing that, illegally, keep in mind, he discovered that Jason had been diagnosed with a rage disorder and was on medication for it, but had not been taking his medication during the times of the murders. Also, his alibi was that he was at work that night, but when they went to check his time clock card, it was handwritten in the time that he got there, even though the punch machine was working, meaning there was no reason he should have written it in. Jason was also photographed multiple times wearing the same black beanie found at the crime scene. But of course, it is a very common black beanie. I probably own one that looks very similar, to be fair. But it was to be noted that after the murders, he was never seen wearing one again. So OJ walked as a free man for many, many years until September 16th, 2007, when OJ was arrested for a robbery no way in attached to Nicole and Ronald. He ended up robbing some sports bars, I believe, of some of his own sports memorabilia. He ended up being found guilty on all 12 counts, including kidnapping and armed robbery, and was sentenced to 33 years. And while interviewing for this trial, they interviewed some of the guys that were helping him with this crime. And all of them were like, oh yeah, he definitely used a deadly weapon. This was definitely all his idea. And during all of this, OJ was like, no, I didn't. I didn't do any of that. I don't know what you're talking about. In October of 2017, OJ Simpson was released from prison after serving a total of 10 years after a new lawyer determined that the past lawyers just didn't do their job correctly and he deserved a retrial. And currently today, he is 74 years old and living his life on social media, tweeting his little thoughts and playing rounds of golf on the weekends. In 1994, when these murders happened, 66% of Americans believed that O.J. Simpson had murdered them. And from a poll done in 2014, 83% of Americans now believe that he did it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you hit that follow button and you hit the notification bell so you're told when I post a new episode every Monday and Thursday. And don't forget, we don't just cover true crime on this channel. We cover the weird shit. We cover cryptoids. We cover myths. We cover ghosts. We cover it all. If it's spooky and scary and makes you want to shit your pants, I want to talk about it. And if you have a request for one of those creepy things for me to cover, make sure that you send me a DM over on Instagram. As always, my name is Audie, and this has been Audie's Oddities.